Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. And today is Thursday Teacher Talk. And I'll be talking about hooks and attention grabbers. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about starting with the end in mind. Then we talked about lesson objectives. We then last week talked about materials and conditions. And today's topic is our fourth in this series. So go grab your coffee, go grab your tea, and a pen and paper, because you're not going to want to miss what I have to say. Let's get into the podcast. I love starting my podcast on Thursdays with a quote. So here it is. The quote says, you, you've got seconds to grab your audience's attention and only minutes to keep it. And that is so true, especially with kids. They have a really short attention span. And I know when I first started teaching and I began um, at a middle school, actually, all I did was open the book and started teaching from it. I used the lesson plans that were given to me and they were good, but I always felt like I was just missing a little something. And I was, I was missing me. I don't know about you, but I am a creative and I love being creative. I love adding just pieces of things that I've learned and my own thoughts. And I love having discussions. I always thought of teaching history. I'm not a history teacher. I'm actually a physics, biology, chemistry, and foreign language teacher. But for some reason, I always just dreamed about teaching history. So maybe one day I will. I don't know. The thoughts that I used to have were I would create a shadow projector that would take up the entire wall of my classroom. And it would have a blue denim hue in the background. And the shadows would be enacting the story of history I was narrating. And it had all the sound effects and all the special features. But the cool part, it would be that we were looking at it as if it was in a shadow form. So we were kind of like in the background, just peeking in. But... Like I said, I never taught history. And I was always kind of stumped on how I would even create such a simple but yet really elaborate projector with the sonic sound that would engage students and grab their attention of history and war and the realities behind it. So anywho, (laughs) I did begin my teaching career as a foreign language teacher. And how I wanted to take my students from, you know, this country, from the classroom to other countries. But, you know, my schools would always tell me that we wouldn't be able to do it. We didn't have the finances and neither do the parents. And parents sometimes wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, sending their kids away. Um, A lot of liabilities that would go behind it. And... I was always so bummed out, I'll be really honest, because I was always thinking that schools should be taken out of the classroom. I mean, I've taught in the public school system for over 20 years, and every single day I would walk into that classroom and I would just be thinking, man, how do I get out of this 
classroom? How do I get out of this school? How do I get out of these four walls? And, you know, honestly, I later on found out that my school spent, well, my school district spent $2 million on paper products, which I honestly thought was really interesting because I remember thinking, didn't we just get Chromebooks to avoid making copies? So I, I just, honestly, at that point, I, I, did, I didn't understand what was going on anymore because I felt like, you know, that $2 million could have been spent in a really different place. And it wasn't. It was spent on paper products. So needless to say, my openers and my hooks, me setting the stage, they were really boring in the beginning years of my teaching until I, I really began to understand the usefulness and the game changer they were going to be for me. But I didn't know about them until I was taught right? So I went to a lot of professional developments to hone my craft because I was really passionate about giving my students an experience versus, you know, just regurgitating information. I was never that teacher that wanted them to just memorize. I know that memorization has a place in um, academics or better yet, better yet say education, but in fact, sometimes um, as I was doing my lessons back then, I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this this lesson is so boring. My kids must be like miserable. So when I got a hold of attention grabbers and setting the stage, I think I began to like them better than anything else. I think I began to like them better than my lessons, believe it or not. I was like, man, how do I extend this? You know, because this is super exciting. So I'm really excited to bring you this masterclass to help you understand better um, what all of these are. These are all in one category called an anticipatory set. So if you ever hear that term again, you'll know that an anticipatory set builds anticipation, right? So it sets the stage of a lesson. It will hook and be an attention grabber. And as well, um, you can use these attention grabbers and hooks to help you with classroom management. And I'll talk about that a little bit more later. So how to gain your child and your student's interest using hooks, attention grabbers. So I just remember that in like I said, in my classes, I would open the book and I would put a sentence on the board and I'd have them write about it or think about it. And, or, you know, I would just ask a couple of questions in the front of the room. And like I said, those things just, they only engaged a few kids, honestly. They didn't engage my whole entire classroom. And I always would feel like myself, as a, if I was a student, I would not have been engaged in that. But again, when you don't know what's available, you just don't know what's available. So I want to show you how, you know, how to use the resources that you have in your hands at your disposal, or at least where you can, how you can get them and use them to create lots of fun attention grabbers and setting the stage because I think the frustration comes in sometimes because um, when we're new 
at teaching, right? So a lot of you new homeschoolers or maybe some veteran homeschoolers that are just like, man, I really would love to be able to spice it up some more. And maybe there's others who are doing this, but you're almost second guessing yourself, like thinking, is this what education's about? So I want to kind of quell all the frustration out there and help you realize what you can do or maybe you don't know and let's flesh it out right in a fun lesson so also these attention grabbers don't always have to be on topic that's right that's what i mean when you want to grab you know your kids attention again because maybe they're going a little off task so you want to be able to use an attention grabber not always having to you know please stop. You don't want to always have to do that because it can get a little bit frustrating. A lot of times kids just, they go off a little bit off the beaten path because they're so excited in what they're learning and they just need a redirect. So we want to be able to be mindful on when a person or a child is being disruptive and when they're just having a really fun time and they're just getting a little excited and how we can just use these really fun, you know, ways of redirecting, redirecting and add another layer of classroom management um, and keeping our kids engaged and focused on the lesson, focus on learning. So again, what are hooks? Well, hooks are bait, right? Think of a fish. If you put a worm on a shiny hook to capture a fish, that you're, you're baiting them in so that you can capture them. So these hooks are not that violent, <laughs> but um, they will engage your student, right? So hooks can, and if they're done well, can lead into asking questions. In fact, not just asking questions, but a lingering question. I love lingering questions. And here's why I love lingering questions. Because a lingering question will, will stay with your child later on after after you've done the lesson a lingering question will continue to keep them learning even when you're not teaching that's why i love lingering questions and a lot of us adults have lingering questions in our mind sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad sometimes these lingering questions keep us awake at night but we want to be able to direct these lingering questions and keep excitement not stress right so for example I will use my old adage of how do carrots grow if they don't have a mouth and don't eat food, right? So I ask my students that whenever I'm beginning to teach photosynthesis for the first time. If I know that they've never heard of photosynthesis, then I will ask that question because I want them to be thinking. Right there, they are going to have that in their mind. How do they grow? I grow because I eat food and I grow, I have a mouth that I eat food and I digest my food and, but how does a carrot grow? So now that lingering question is going to spark curiosity and it's going to create a space for them to find the information. And a lot of times when you create a lingering question, you almost don't have to ask any more questions or even give any more direction because now their natural innate curiosity will make them find it, right? 
they're going to ask the right questions. So how does a carrot grow? They, because you're literally just directing them. And that really becomes fun because now what is it? It's not just learning. You have created an investigation, an all-out detective investigation, which is going to be so much fun when they discover the answer. Then another one to spark more curiosity, you can create events. So if you have multiple students, if you have multiple children, you know, or if you're in a co-op or a micro school, you can create debates. Now I love debates. I created debates in my classroom all the time. And, you know, when it comes to a debate, if you have built your culture properly, you're not going to have to talk too much about what needs to be done. A culture would automatically um, dictate how your students are going to behave in class, right? They will listen for another person. They're not going to be disrespectful, but you may want to just go over the rules of engagement before if before a debate if you've never done one before. But I had done debates so many times that I didn't have to, you know, do that too much. I might have had to remind, hey, let, th let them finish their thoughts and then you can speak. Just write down your thoughts as they're talking so that way you don't forget what you want to say. Another thing is you can do an impromptu ad lib skit, right? So you can just give them topics, which is so much fun. It's, it really just, um, it brings another level of creativity when they're doing improvisation. You give them the topic and they can do an improv. Also, you can use a comic strip. Now, you can do one of two things. You can give them a comic strip that already has something written on it. You can give them a comic strip that's empty and have them fill it out and have them read it to the class or to their siblings. It, you can really do anything right there that will prompt their hook or their excitement. You will have to give them a topic to create the comic strip, but you can let them fill it out. Another thing you can do to make content feel more relatable and relevant is you know, they can watch a commercial. They can watch a commercial for a cause. They can watch a movie clip that introduces the topic and will make them like, wow, this is so cool. And then you can begin to set the stage for your lesson, right? You can also build classroom community and culture, right? So I'm hoping that this was already done, but you know, you can continue that. So what I did for my class, my, um, my advisory class, I wanted to build that classroom culture that's going to foster the rest of my time with them, right? And the kind of person I am. And I wanted them to get to know me a little faster. And I wanted to get to know them a little faster. So a lot of times when we don't have a lot of time to get to know our students, right? So maybe, you know, you homeschoolers, a lot of you, I mean, they're your kids. But what if you have you know, parents dropping off kids to your house and you don't know them very well. And they could be either older and you just want to get to know them really fast. So I did this. 
I asked my students if their future plans for their life had a slogan, what would it be? And I gave my example. I said, mine would be God, truth, and free enterprise. And yes, I am a public school teacher and I do talk about God because I'm not proselytizing, but I have the right to talk about those things that create my identity, right? So what was I doing? I was setting the precedents in the class, you know, and they got also to know my values quickly. So I let my students, I gave them like five minutes to brainstorm and I let them loose. And every kid came up with these really powerful, um, you know, slogans. One actually said, God, prayer and money. I thought it was really funny. Another one said, God, money and the gym. I thought it was hysterical. You know, others said, try new things. So as I saw that, I started seeing who my students were and what mattered to them. So I'm going to be able to just get information and to be able to really help them out. Right. And also hooks are a vehicle for deeper discussions because you want to really be able to foster, you know, discussions. And sometimes a student can begin a Socratic, uh, you know, a Socratic session in your class. And that's really, that could be a lot, a lot of fun. So let's get into the, the three tops, right? So one is setting the stage, attention grabbers and hooks. Usually attention grabbers and hooks are going to come before setting the stage. So we already talked about attention grabbers, talked about some hooks, and the next thing, setting the stage. So when I set the stage, it's really me talking about what they're going to be able to do at the end, right? So I say, hey, at the end of this, you'll be able to do X, Y, and Z. So for example, in my physics class, I will have an attention grabber and my attention grabber is going to be this. It's a mishmash of videos and freeze frame photos of soccer players crashing into each other, falling on the floor, crying, and in obvious pain. So as they watch like 10 of those, they're going to be like, whoa, some kids are going to laugh. Some kids are going to be like shocked. You know, some kids would be soccer players and they're probably gonna be like, oh yeah, that happened to me. So there's going to be a lot of relating, feeling, empathy, and some people are just going to find it hysterical, right? So then after I show that, I will ask, I will ask them like, you know, questions and we'll discuss it briefly. Then I'm going to introduce and set the stage for the entire uh, course, right? I will talk about their final project, starting with the end in mind. I'm going to say, you know, your final project is going to be to create a new piece of equipment or improve an already existing piece of equipment to protect soccer players and help them minimize injury. So what did I do? I set them a, you know, a hook, an attention grabber, um, and they looked at it. They were probably shocked. They were looking at, wow, wow, that must have really hurt their head. Oh, wow, that must have really hurt their stomach. So now when I present to them what they're going to be doing the entire course, their mind is going to be always going back to that video, always going back to those images. And they're going to be, 
you know, thinking, well, what part of the body do I think is probably the most important? Like they're just, it's going to be an automatic thought, which is more important, which, which, which is going to help them. And then throughout the course, I will be teaching them the different aspects of physics, how physics works. And, you know, when it comes down to distance and displacement and impact and impulse, all these things are going to make sense to them because it's not going to be so far-fetched anymore. It isn't going to be me teaching a separate, you know, category or topic that makes no sense in the real world. It is going to be all connected to my attention grabbers and my setting the stage. So I really find these a lot of fun and it helps students understand. It helps my, you know, my, the kids in my class understand why a course is going to be moving in a particular way. Right. And hopefully it actually gives them an innate compulsion, right. Of understanding what knowledge and skills they will need to have and gain. So as I'm teaching them, they're going to be pulling those things out that are going to be really important. And I do have a place where they're able to reflect on my lessons and, you know, review them and pull out information that's going to be pertinent and important to them creating their device. Now you can do the same exact thing at a very you know, um, elementary level with kids where you can give them reflection time and maybe the reflection time won't be, you know, writing things down, but maybe the reflection time will be talking with you, you know, talking about their day and talking about what they learned. And, you know, as you're teaching them to write, um, and, you know, sound out letters, you can, you can teach them how to begin to journal. So there's really awesome ways to integrate this at any level of learning and any learner. I mean, when you have your kinesthetic or your visual learners, writing things down and even drawing a picture at the end, I, I've teach uh, sketch noting and I find that sketch noting is a powerful, powerful tool. I have another podcast called the homeschool podcast where I teach Cornell sketch notes. I would really implore you to go through that podcast because I go through so many different types of techniques to just change the way we introduce information and how we teach it and how kids can process information differently. Kinesthetic learners, you know, um, visual learners, auditory learners, I really, I know that they can really benefit from understanding sketch noting because they can speak to it themselves. I mean, for an auditory learner, right? After they write it out, if they if they sketch it out, they have to now, um, you know, recite back to themselves what they have written on there, right? What they've drawn out. So I would require them to do that. I would require them to take a picture and show it to somebody else and talk about it. You know, you can do this at your dinner table. You can have them all bring these sketch notes and, you know, have them after we eat. Hey, guys, why don't you go grab your sketch notes and show dad? Or why don't you present it to us what you guys did today? These are things you can do to just bring your family together and make learning lifelong where it's not just in these 
specific hours of the day, but it's an all day thing where we are lifelong learners. So I hope this helped you and I will, you know, be talking about, uh, next week, how these different anticipatory sets, you can use them with different types of learners. So I'm going to be doing a part two next week. So stay tuned. I will see you guys soon and keep listening for all these new and different curriculums that are coming out. This month is going to be an amazing month. We started off tomorrow with Sam Sorbo. She just packs a punch. You're not going to want to miss what she has to say. All right, guys, have a great one. And I will talk to you soon. If you love the conversations we're having here on the Homeschool Advantage podcast, follow or subscribe our podcast to stay in the loop and never miss this amazing content. And please highly consider taking a minute to leave a positive rating and review to help others like you discover this show. See you next time.